Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. I give you thanks for restored marriages, restored families. I give you thanks for real men that grow up as faithful sons, willing to be corrected and disciplined and instructed so that they're not destroyed and Father God, that they not suffer the life of a fool. We give you thanks for your house and the gathering of your people. And we pray that nothing be a hindrance to those that come. That there would not be anyone who would be a stumbling block to our children that are looking for the model of real men. Those willing to lead their families. Those willing to live for God. Those willing to change the world. We pray this morning that you would speak to us out of your word and that we might understand your ways. And that we might be born again. That we might start all over living for you with a, a thought of following you in all your ways, Lord. That we might prosper in everything we do as we meditate upon your word day and night. That we would be a blessing to our friends and not a stumbling block. That we would be the ones that put families together and not destroy them by inviting friends to drink alcohol and to go to nightclubs and pick up women, oh God. For these are little men, tiny men with puny minds, Father God, that only serve themselves. Bring us to give and surrender our hearts to you, that we might be a blessing to all the families on the earth, that we might be the answer to what our children are looking for, and that we might leave a generation of blessing to our children and grandchildren after us, Lord, to our wives, to our daughters, that you might be glorified and that you might be seen in all the earth. Now, prosper your word in our hearts. And allow your word to find its place in the deepest part of our being and turn darkness to light in that place. And that we might increase in wisdom and in truth and forsake all lies and foolishness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. The Bible speaks very good about what we're going to see this week. Um, it talks about Valentine's. Uh, pretty soon, everybody's going to break out to celebrate Valentine's. El Dia de los Enamorados, the, the day of the lovebirds. And people don't even know why February 14th, and this is just a little bit of trivia, why do we celebrate February 14th as the day of those that are most inclined towards finding a girlfriend or a wife or a date or a dinner uh, companion. And I'll tell you why. Because scientists and those who stu study ph phenomena upon the earth, those who study the, the way things are, determine that February 14th is the day in all of the year where the most Mating calls are heard. Ha-ha! <laughs> ah ha-ha! And the girl goes, ah-ah! Ah-ah! <laughs> there will be a lot of people celebrating that love potion. And in order to be able to participate authentically, genuinely, it's going to require for you to have something called heart. For if you do not have heart, there is no passion. And I'm not talking about the Webster Dictionary that defines the heart as the organ in your chest that pumps blood through your veins and arteries. I'm not talking about that heart. I'm talking about what the Webster Dictionary defines as the innermost character of feelings. He knew it in his heart. 
She felt it in her heart. And we're talking about that which God wants us to know. The central most inner part of man. God is looking for men after his heart. God is looking for men that are willing to say, God, I hear your heartbeat. I got the pulse of the rhythms of your pleasure. And I want to be a man after your heart. For these are the men that God are looking for. In 1 Samuel 13, 14, the prophet Samuel says to one man, your kingdom shall not continue. My friend, you have just had God walk out of your life. And when God walks out of your life, you are a dead man. Regardless if your heart organ continues to pump blood to your arteries and veins. This is no life at all. Your kingdom shall not continue. For the Lord has found Himself a man after His own heart. The Lord has commanded him to be the commander over his people because you decided not to keep the commandments of the Lord. God is looking for men that have heart after God. Not men who are doing their own thing and want God to bless their own fantasy. Their own, it's called, uh, um, it's folly, foolishness. Things with no substance, things with no purpose, things with no provision, no future. And God is looking for men who are loyal to Him. That are willing to align their hearts up with God's heart. And this is extremely unusual. People tell me all the time, Joaquin, how do you do it? Listen, I have found the heart of God. And I want nothing more than to bring pleasure to His heart because that opens the heavens towards my life. And I'm sick and tired of following my heart. And I talk to men all over the world and they say, Pastor, you're wrong. You don't know my heart. I go, I don't know your heart, but God knows your heart. And He says in Jeremiah 17, verse 9, He says, this is the heart of man. Ready for this? This is a crude picture of your heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Twisted. A man's heart, he has a wife, he has kids, he has a family. He looks to the side, I'm in love with that woman. You don't know that woman. She doesn't know you. I was sharing because it was at the marriage conference that they gave me and my wife. Last year was the session on laughter and we cried. And this year it was a session on love. And, and I was sharing the first girl that got in my car when I was a teenager. And I said, hey, would you like to go out to dinner with me? And I wasn't a Christian. And neither was she. And we sat in the car. And she looked at me and I looked at her. And then I looked at her and she looked at more at me. And then she says, Joaquin, I love you. I was like, I don't know you. And you don't know me. And I'm going to cut you into a million pieces and throw you in the Everglades. 
She's like, could you take me home? We don't know what love is, and we don't know what our heart is. And if we were to know true love, it would not be lust. And if we were to know the true heart of man, we would listen to Jeremiah 17, 9, and understand that is the heart is deceitful above all things. That means it lies to you. And desperately wicked and twisted. In fact, God wants to do open heart surgery. In Ezekiel 36, verse 26, God says this. You guys help me out there? Ezekiel 36, 26. God's open heart surgery. I want to give you a new heart and a new spirit. I'll take out that wicked and desperate heart and give you a heart of flesh. I'll give you loyalty to God. I'll give you Wanting to please God above all things. God wants to open the heavens and grotesquely and lavishly and extravagantly flourish and bless you in all things. So that you are satisfied and lack nothing. Uh, The story is told of a man who went and, and bought his son a bag of Skittles. And the kid was there having, he's like five, six years old. He's, he's eating all the Skittles real quick. His father turns to him and says, could I have one? What's the kid say? No way. These are mine. When dad blesses you with health, with a family, with peace, with provision, and you decide to say, I'm kidnapping the family. We're not going to church today. We're going to the beach. We're not going to worship and adore the God who gives us all things. We're going to the park. We're going to go with friends to play baseball. Until something should happen where you're handicapped and disabled and you begin to promise God, if I could walk again, I will go to church every Sunday. And you know that's a lie. Because you have arms and legs and health and peace and joy and you don't come. You offer God things you don't give Him. He wants to exchange that heart, which is desperately wicked, perverse, corrupt. The Bible says, who can know it? Who can really fill out, figure out what's inside man's heart? Proverbs 21.2 says like this. Every man is right in his own eyes, but God examines the heart. Why do some men faithfully serve? And why do some men faithfully not serve? Why do some men read their Bibles and some men not read their Bibles? Why do some men go to church? And then there's men that don't only go to church, they serve at church. Like that little boy Julian who was up here putting a water right behind my pulpit. And for him, this is the greatest joy because his father tells him, if you refresh the pastor, the Lord will refresh you. That's wisdom at five. I know what it is to refresh men. Last About five years ago, I walked into a restaurant. I didn't know Wellington Boone. He was sitting over in the corner having lunch or dinner with somebody. And I saw him over there, and I said, wow, that's Wellington Boone, the man of God. And I said, excuse me, waiter, could you come here? Bring me that man's bill. I want to pay for his dinner. You know what that's called? That's called refreshing another man. That's called it's better to give than to receive. That's called that right after dinner, Wellington Boone came right up to me. He says, young man, thank you for dinner. 
I said, that's not all. I haven't run out. I want you to come to Miami, and we're going to pay for three days for you to come and rest with your wife at the Fountain Blue Hilton. So he came down a month later, and he stayed at the Fountain Blue Hilton for three days. And I said, Wellington, you don't know why we're doing this, but we need a man of God to come into our lives and to show us an example of a man who has a heart after God's heart. And that's why Wellington Boone was here last week. Because as a man gives, so it shall be given to him. In great measure, pressed down, shaken, shaken together, and running over. And what that man has given us could far exceeds anything we could have ever done with that first dinner or those three days at a hotel in Miami. What he has given us in example of what it is to lay down your life for God, to teach. He's 65, I'm 46. He's 20 years older than me. I want to learn from a man of God. You guys think you're here because you're going to learn from me, but I'm still looking how I'm to get this desperately wicked and depraved, selfish heart to God so that my family has everything that God wants for them. It was at 16 years old that I gave my heart to the Lord. And I said this, if you bless me, if you prosper me, if you show me the way, if you increase me, if I see a lot of good things, then you will be my, my God. And I'll give you my heart. Then I'll surrender fully. And God took me up on that deal. And he showed me what it is to lay down my heart. If I would have followed the passions of my lust and of my selfishness, I would have been a destroyed man. What does God look at like? Look at when he's looking for a man after his heart. First, he sees that Proverbs 21, 2 says that every man thinks he's right. I don't have to go to church and I'm with God. How many have ever heard that? Who's that speaking? Say, a wicked man. Because God says, do not forsake the assembly and the gathering of the saints. Keep my day holy is one of the Ten Commandments. We heard Nicholas share on this on Wednesday, Saturday last week, Wednesday and Thursday. He, man, you've been preaching too much, son. What it is to keep the Sabbath day holy. What's that mean? I don't know. That's for Jewish people. Have you heard somebody say that? It's not for us. We're in grace. We get to do whatever we want. No, you are perverted and wicked and desperate. And God cannot bless you because God says one thing and you change it to another. But God weighs. It says every man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord is weighing the hearts. And that's where we see 1 Samuel 16, 7, when it says, The Lord is not impressed by your outward appearance. The Lord is looking at your heart. Don't come and strut your stuff. Don't come and strut your intelligence. Don't come and bring your own theology to equip your own Christian life like you see it to a heaven which does not exist. Because God says he will have no men who do not have an upright heart in his presence. Only those that are faithful. The word faithful means having a faithful heart. The Lord looks at all these men. He says it's none of them. For God is looking for this heart. Psalm 23, 6. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life because I will dwell in the house of the Lord for never. Some of you read it for never. And it can't be for never. It's forever. The heart of the man God chose loved the house of God. He wrote these words, I love the place where your glory dwells. You say, well, I haven't seen no glory. Listen, when this family got up here, that's the glory of God. It's the glory of God. A man who brings two children from a previous marriage, and he says, they're my sons. 
They're my daughters. They're my champions. This is my family. That's the heart of God. When your mother and father forsake you, the Lord will take you up. God has a place for you. Don't use the fact that your mom or dad abandoned you as a justification for you to abandon God. Don't let the devil tell you that story. For God has said, if your mother and father forsake you, think it's Psalm 27 verse 10, if I'm not mistaken. If anything should happen, when my father leaves and my mother decides to trash our family, the Lord will take care of me. There's a place in God for my life and for my wife. And that's Joey and Suleika's example. Joey says, see that little boy in that video? That was me when my dad left my house. How old were you? Twelve years old. And Suleika says, my family decided not to come to God. Not to serve the Lord. She was nine. Nine years old. She would stand at the corner and catch a ride with another family that took her to church once a year, Suleika. Every week. Nine years old. And you can't make it to God's house? Desperately wicked and perverted heart. For God has opened a door for you to have a great inheritance in God's glory. But the kingdom shall be removed because you close your heart towards God. What was God seeing in the heart of David? He says, I want God's blessing and his love to follow me all my days. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. To be able to capture the heart of God. To think, to feel, to move in the direction of his pleasure at all times. To love God in the things that God loves. And hate what God hates. You have to acquire that appetite. That's one thing I told God when I got saved. I said, God, I want to make sure that when I go to church, I'm not there hating church and wanting to be out there doing what I used to do. So change my heart. God's not going to mess with your heart unless you ask him. And I'm here to testify 30 years later, God has changed my heart. He's given me the passions. He says, God shall grant you the desires of your heart. When I read that when I was 17 years old, God is going to give me all my heart's desires. Well, I want a room full of naked women. I want to have a party. I want to... That's not what it says. It says God is going to grant you the desires that are in your heart. He's going to put them in there. You know what I feel like doing today? I feel like changing the world. I feel like re reaching every man, every marriage, every family. So not one family is destroyed. So that not one wife is abandoned. So that not one child hates his father like I used to hate my father. Until God changed my heart's desires. My heart's desires are to please God in everything. From the moment I wake up to the moment I fall asleep. My poor wife. My poor wife. She has to be living next to a person that all he cares about is pleasing God. Thank God, she says. God has given me a new heart. God wants to give you a new heart. And all these men that are coming to know God. You cannot have a heart for God. If you have allowed the passions of this world to appropriate themselves of your heart. You rather serve Dwayne Wade. You rather serve LeBron James. You rather serve the All-Star Game, the football game, the Super Bowls. And you have abandoned your maker and creator.
You have decided he's not a priority. He's not your passion. The plans he has for you are according to seeking him with all your heart. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans that I have for you. I know why I created you. I know the thoughts I have towards you. There are thoughts of peace and prosperity, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. These plans God has for you. Verse 12. Then you will call upon him and pray to me, and I will listen to you. When? When your heart is in it. When you seek me and you will find me. When you search for me with all your heart. It can't be a heart divided. It can't be a heart shared. It can't be a heart split in passions and, and purposes. 1 John 2.15 Do not set your affections in the things of this world. For anyone who sets their affections in the matters of the affairs of this life, the love of the Father is not in him. He doesn't love God. Don't tell me you love God and you want to be somewhere else. Don't tell me you have a heart for God and you want to be with someone else. Verse 16. These are the things that separate you from God. The lust of the flesh. The desires of your eyes. The pride of what this world calls pride. This is not of the Father. It's of the world. And if these things you pursue and you have a passion for, then you will be filled with the desires of this world. And the glory of this world is passing. But the glory of God abides forever. Matthew 12, 30, Jesus was clear. If you're not with me, you're against me, period. He who is not with me is against me. Well, no, I'm straddling the fence, Pastor. See, I have one leg on the other side of the fence, and sometimes I'm coming here, and you'll see me changing the world, and then the world changes me. I'm all over the place. I'm not looking for a crown because I'm being a clown. I should join the circus. It's funner. He who does not gather with me is scattering abroad. Paul told Timothy, flee these lusts. Well, how do I flee these lusts? 2 Timothy 2.22. It says, you flee the lust by pursuing faith, love, and peace with those who have a pure heart. With those who call upon the Lord out of a pure heart. Listen to me. I wish I could just come down here right now and just say, excuse me, sir. I've noticed in the past couple of weeks you're playing games. Could you please leave this place? You're a joke. Get out of here. Go outside, please. You're an embarrassment to your wife and to your children. Excuse me, young man. You're a rebellious little son. Come here. Come here, Ivan. This is only for illustration purposes. See, your dad and mom want to serve God, but you're such a rebel. You want to be a monkey. Go out there to the world and be a monkey. Get Pierce's tattoo. Come here. What's your name? Adrian, right? Come here, Adrian. You don't want to sing for the Lord. You want to sing for someone else. Please leave. Go find a circus that way. And just get the clowns out of the house of God. Excuse me, man. I'm sorry. You're going to have to leave. You love soap operas more than you do God. Come on. <laughs> Go outside. See? And now they're freaking out and you guys are freaking out. You guys can come back now. What if we did that? I've done that, people. I've asked people that do not love God, don't come back because I don't want my children to see a bunch of clowns. I don't want my daughter to oops and marry a total nimwit. But someone who's passionate for God, 
Someone who loves God with all their heart. And there's groups of people. Exodus chapter 8 verse 15, it says like this. Pharaoh hardened his heart and said, no God. When Pharaoh saw that there was an answer, he hardened his heart. Tonight, today, you guys see there's a way out of your craziness. And some of you are going to harden your heart and say, I found a great church. I found a great pastor's son. I found a great pastor. He hangs out with Wellington Boone. But I decide I'm not going to be a part. When he saw there was an answer, he hardened his heart and did not hear them as what the Lord was saying. Exodus 8, 32, again, another opportunity, and I'm sure this is not the first opportunity you've had, but Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time. Also, neither would he agree with God to let his people go. And you say, who are the people? You, my friend. Let yourself go to God. Surrender to God's plans. Milk and honey is his future for you. Not a slave, not a captive. Exodus 9, verse 7, it says like this, and Pharaoh again Hardens his heart. The Pharaoh sent, and indeed, not even one of the livestock of Israel was dead. But the heart of Pharaoh became hard. You've seen signs. You've seen wonders. You've seen miracles. The mercy of God is upon you. And you harden your heart and do not let God's people go. 1 Samuel 6, 6, God tells his people, don't be like Egypt. Don't be like Pharaoh. Why then do you harden your heart as the Egyptians and Pharaoh harden their hearts? When he did mighty things among them, did they not let the people go that they might depart? Hasn't God done miracles? The fact you're sitting here this morning is the most glorious miracle of all. The opportunity for God to see you surrender your heart to him. No one could give your heart but you. And I hope you don't do it based on emotion. Because next week when you wake up, you're going to have to decide, is my heart for God in his house? Or I'm a clown and I'm just going to mess around. You decide. But there's little boys like Julian that are five. That want to serve their dad's God. Want to live for his glory. This is good preaching. You can say amen. <laughs> Psalm 139. Verse 20. For they speak these are the unfaithful, right? They speak wickedly against God. It's a waste of time to go to church. To be a Christian is boring. Your enemies take your name in vain. Nick says, don't do that. You're going to need him one day. Don't make his name nothing. Because you're going to call upon that name and you want it to make, mean something. Your enemies take your name in vain. They don't use your word with holiness. Verse 21 says like this. Do, not, do, do I not hate them, O Lord? This is David speaking. Don't I hate what you hate? Those who hate you, I hate. I loathe those who rise up against God and criticize God. Verse 22, he says, take an x-ray, Lord. I hate them with perfect hatred and I count them as my enemies. I don't hang out with those people that don't love God. I had to tell my neighbor one day, I said, excuse me, have you been living with me for four years right next to me? Have you ever seen somebody come into my house that doesn't love Jesus? He says, no. And I said, you're not going to be the first one. Could you please leave? I'm not going to let anybody in my house who doesn't love my God. Who's going to come and tell my kids, you don't have to listen to your parents. They did that one day. They walked in and said, hey, Nick, when you're 18, you don't have to listen to your dad no more. And so Nick said, hey, dad, he was eight years old. Do I have to listen to you when I'm, after I'm 18? I said, hey, son, a wise man always honors his father. And I'm 35, and I still obey my dad. So you'll be like me. 
You'll be like Jesus who says, I only do what the Father tells me. I only speak what my Father says. I don't do my own thing. John chapter 8 verse 29 says these words. He who sent me is always with me. My dad's with me wherever I go. He who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone for one second because I always do those things that please him. I'm always about my God. I'm always trying. I said, Lord, forgive me. The other day I was praying. I said it on Wednesday. I was praying these words. I said, Lord, um, I want to be who you want me to be. Please make me who you created me to be. Isn't that a good prayer? I want, I want to be what you want me to be. I don't, I don't want to miss out on what you have for me. Forgive me for not being that person. I want to be that person. That's a heart after God. And so he says like this, I, I hate him with perfect hatred. Verse 23 says like this, Psalm uh, 139:23. You guys could tell I'm moving fast. Search me, God. Take an x-ray of me. Know my heart. Put me in tests so that you can see I love you. Make my, heart, make my car not start in the morning so I could catch the bus. Make the bus be late so I could hitchhike. I'll run. I'll ride my skateboard. I'll ride my bike. I want to be in God's house. I got to get up early. Put things in my life that show difficulty, hardship. Don't, don't run th through the first difficulty and say, well, God doesn't want me to go to church because my alarm clock didn't go off this morning. And you're just looking for the little things to hold you back from serving God. Ask God for a passionate heart for his things. Try me and know my worries, that they're all set upon you, God. I want you, in the next verse, it finishes verse 24, and see if there's anything twisted, any twisted way in me, and lead me in the right way. Anything that's out of order, put it in order. I love men, the Bible talks about in Hebrews 11, verse 4, it says that a man like Abel was able to offer a better sacrifice, an excellent sacrifice, more than his brother Cain. Are you serving God at a greater degree than the brothers that God has put around you? You should. You should hang out with them. You should imitate them. You should make them your brothers for life. And like I do with Wellington Boone and many other great men of God around the world, I want to see while, how they serve God because I want to learn. I've been serving God for 30 years, but I, I know there's still greater offerings of excellence to his life, to this life, to his reality. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. You're looking to the hoodlums to say, see, they don't go to church. I'm not going to go to church. You compare yourself with those people that don't even have Bibles, don't even read Bibles, don't even know God, have not accepted Christ, have not got water baptized, have not gone on missions. There are people that have a heart for God. You can't stop them. Doesn't matter how much hardship they go through. They're going forward. In verse 5, it talks about Enoch, a man whose heart was after God. It says, by faith, Enoch was taken up. So that he didn't even taste death and was found, was not even found by those that were looking for him because God had taken him. Because God had taken him as a result of he always pleasing God. He was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. He had a heart to please God. Who are you pleasing? Who are you pleasing? Verse 7, it says, Noah, when he moved with a heart, it was only one man. One man moved with the heart of God for the saving of his entire family, and one of you will save your generations. Just one of you that stands up to be passionate about God. Noah, being divinely warned of the things not yet seen and moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his entire household. What are you doing? You waiting for somebody else to have a heart for God? You're going to miss the boat. You're going to miss the boat. I love Abraham, had a heart for God. 
It says, verse 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed God, and he didn't even know where he was going. Okay, I'll follow you. But don't you going to ask where we're going? No. I have a heart for God. He didn't even have to tell me where we're going. I know we're going to a good place. My God is awesome. I'm going to follow him even though I don't know where I'm going to end up. But I know that my God has a plan. My God has a purpose. My God has a future. It says Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to this place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Some of you are like, hey, could you tell me everything and then I'll decide if I'm going to do everything. You don't have a heart for God. You don't have to sit there and know everything before you come to God. You just have to know someone. His name is Jesus. Give a heart to Jesus entirely. I love Moses. Men like Moses have a heart for God. In verse 24, I'm going to show you his heart right there. It says, by faith, when he became of age, and some of you, after you're the age of 12, it's time to make a decision if you're going to have a heart for God or not. I talked a real good conversation with Nicholas when he was turning 13. I said, Nick, there's two types of men in this world, men who love God and men who don't. Men who are warriors and men who are clowns. Who are you going to be? And big old tears came out of his eyes. And he says, I want to be a warrior for God. I want to fight the battles of the Lord. I don't want to be a clown. And those of you that know Nick, and Mauricio was telling us, Chiriboga in Santo Domingo, he says, I kept on seeing Nick. I was like, what's wrong with this guy? He's like stuck on doing this thing with God. I don't understand it. All his friends have seen his decision, have seen his passion and heart for God. And Moses, when he was of age, refused to be a son of Pharaoh. He refused to harden his heart. He refused to walk like he was raised, a prince in Egypt. He grew up from the time he was three months old in the house of Satan. Some of you can relate. Verse 25, he chose rather to suffer the affliction with God's people than to enjoy the passing pleasures of this world, of sin. And he esteemed the embarrassment of being a Christian as a greater riches than the treasures of this world, for he was looking for God's reward. You have a heart for God, my friend, you're going to see God's reward. You're going to see God's favor upon you that's going to make other people take notice. It was Caleb in Numbers 14, 24. Who God says, because my servant Caleb had a different spirit and followed me with his entire heart, I will bring him to the land which I have for him and his children. You better think about your children nowadays and what's going to happen to them depends on your heart being fully surrendered. Listen to the word, fully surrendered to God. And either you have a heart for God or you have decided not to. The descendants will be blessed by a man whose heart is totally given to God. Deuteronomy 135 says, surely there shall not be one of these men who will see what I have for them in this generation. God, God stands in Deuteronomy 135 and he says, listen, not one of these men, not one of these men of this wicked, desperately perverse generation shall see the good land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Why? And they have a heart for God. They had a heart for pornography, a heart for for worldliness, a heart for gambling. They had a heart for many things, for sports, for athletics. But verse 36 says, except this one man, Caleb, he shall see it to him and his children. I'm going to give a land which he will walk on because he fully, wholly, 100% followed God. Keep your eyes on those men that give God everything. Please keep your eyes on them. 
Because you're going to see God's faithfulness upon them. You're going to see the wonders of God. These men like Moses, like David, like Jesus, they were able to surrender their hearts. You know, in the surrendering of hearts, there are multitudes. Multitudes followed Christ, but some wanted to come closer, and there were 300 in the upper room. There were 70 that walked and were sent out and saw the power of God. There were 12 that never left them when everyone abandoned them. In John chapter 6, verse 66, it came to the time where some people decided, you know something, I've come as far as I'm going to go. And from that time, many of his, say his, his disciples went back and walked with him no more. There's a time multitudes were following Jesus and it came to time where people felt to go and do something else. And he turns, verse 67, to the 12. And Jesus says, do you want, he says, Jesus said to the 12, do you want to walk away too? And so they say in verse 68, where shall we go? Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternity. You have it figured out. We want what you have to give us. Your promise of eternal life. And then amongst those 12, there was three. The Bible says in Matthew 17, 4, that Peter, James, and John walked up to the Mount of Transfiguration and saw things in the heavens. They saw Elijah. They saw Moses. They were closer than any of the 12 were ever to Jesus. And they saw things more powerful. You've sitting here this morning, you says, I don't see the things pastor's seeing. Well, you, don't, you haven't been where I've been. And so the three walked into the mountain of transfiguration and saw Moses and his glorified body. They saw Elijah. They said, Lord, if it's good to you, let us make three tabernacles here. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. They were freaking out. And the next verse says that from the heavens a voice came out and says, hey, you, shut up. It's not your ideas. It's not your plans. It says, while he was still speaking, a whole, a behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the heaven saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. You're to listen to him. How many have a lot of good ideas that God could do in your life? God, I like her and I like him and we make such a beautiful family. And the voice says, shut up. Listen to my son. I have the plan, not you. Give me your heart. Let me prepare your heart so that I could give it as a gift to somebody who has my heart. Not somebody who's going to destroy you. Not somebody who's going to strip you like George was saying. He was stripping his family because he was hanging out like an orphan. Trying to satisfy. You know, today I pray that God raise up men in this house that have a heart fully surrendered to God. The Bible says as Moses left Egypt, he needed men to fight the battles of the Lord. Exodus 17, 9, Moses said to Joseph, choose some men to go and fight with Amalekites tomorrow. I will stand on top of the mountain with the rod of God in my hand. I'm going to do my part. So Joshua did as Moses said, and he went and fought the Amalekites with Moses, Aaron, and Hur, and went to the top of the mountain. And so it was when Moses held his hands up, Israel prevailed. And when he let his hands down, the enemy prevailed. Verse 12, but Moses' hands became heavy and tired. So they took a stone and they sat him on it. And Aaron got on one side and Hur got on the other side and they lifted up the man's hands, one on each side. One on one side, one on the other. Verse 13 says, So his hands were steady until going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalekites and his people with the edge of the sword. Who do you have at your right hand? Who do you have at your left? 
Who's making you an encouragement to go to the Lord? The greatest gift you've ever had in the world is coming to the house of God. The greatest invitation you'll ever have is giving that invitation to others. That they might hear that there's a God looking for men that will change the world. That will make a difference in their generation. For God says in Psalm 101 verse 4, A perverse heart shall never be near me. I will not be that word, I will not know wickedness, is God says, I'm not going to have any wicked people on my team. I'm not going to be close to anybody who's twisted. It says, verse 5, whoever is secretly living the quiet life and lying to one another. This is why I was saying, get out of here. You're a joke. What are you doing in the house of God? You want to be like Michael Jackson? You want to be like Ricky Martin? You want to be like some perverted, twisted man? You don't belong in the house of God. We're being created in the image and the likeness of the champion of all champions, Jesus Christ. We want to be like the Son of God, faithful to the death and death on a cross, obedient, even though we might suffer. The one who has a proud look, him I'm not going to hang out with. Him I will not endure. Verse 6, my eyes are looking for faithful men. Men with whole hearts before me. They will dwell with me. He who walks perfectly in this way, he shall serve me. He who works deceit, verse 7, shall not dwell in my house. That's why people have to leave the house of God. That's why the house of God is empty, because people want to be serving two masters. They're not going to be able to dwell in his house. He who tells lies shall not continue in my presence. Can't be cheating on your wife and being in here acting like a Christian. Verse 8 says, early. Will I destroy all those that are wicked from the land, that I might cut off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord? God's not going to let you in his house. Thank God for Jesus Christ wants to forgive you, wants to cleanse you, wants to make you a real man, a real son. And that's why David, who was a man after his own heart, prayed this prayer. And I pray that it's your prayer. Psalm 50, verse 10. 51. Psalm 51, verse 10. Where he says, Lord, create in me a pure heart. Create in me a heart that wants to serve you, O God, and renew my spirit within me. Verse 11, do not cast me from your presence, because I know if my heart's not right, I can't hang out with you. I can't be one of yours. If I still have bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness for my mom, my dad, my family, my horse, my dog, my frog, my pet rock, I need a new heart, because I don't trust God. Psalm 73, verse 1 says, surely God is good to Israel. To who? To those who have a pure heart. God is good to his people. To such as have a pure heart. Matthew 5, 8. Jesus says, blessed are those that have a real heart. They're the ones that are going to see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. They're going to see God. They're going to figure it out. They're going to live for his glory. If you want an open heart surgery today. According to Ezekiel 36, 26. Say, Lord, I want a new heart. I want a new spirit. Please remove this wicked heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. Let's stand this morning. Ask the musicians to come forward. This is one-on-one -on -one time now. Nobody could make Mauricio Chiriboga give his heart to the Lord, but he made a decision last year when he graduated from high school. He says, either I follow my grandfather and my father and become a wicked, perverted, lust-filled monster and destroy another young lady having a, a baby out of wedlock and getting a girl pregnant because of my lust, or I'm going to break the chains of men of wicked and desperate hearts, depraved hearts. You got a mic over there, Mr. Chiriboga? This was his testimony. 18 years old.
What did you find out when you went to Ecuador? I went to Ecuador last year, and um, I was talking to my family about our family history. We just got into a topic out of nowhere, and my dad tells me that he had met a friend that was into all this ancestor uh, business that they find out your history. Your family tree. Yeah, your family tree. So he tells me, <coughs> he's like, did you know that the first Chiriboga to ever step foot in Ecuador was a, a Spanish man by the name of Shiriboga. So, you Spell know, with, with an X, X. With an X, because they were from Spain. And then he came in and um, instead of, you know, uh, living out and uh, the land that he could have conquered, the land, what he, whatever he could have done in, in a back then uh, prosperous country, uh, he went in and through his own lust and through his uh, worldly desires, he, he got, you know, one of the maids pregnant that he just found out of nowhere. And, and that's, how my, that's how my legacy started, you know? So, so I'm, I'm there and I'm thinking, my dad, you know, he thinks it's like, wow, can you believe that? That's funny, right? I'm like, no, <laughs> because I see every single generation afterwards has done the same exact thing. From my dad, to my grandpa, to my great-grandpa, to his grandpa, you know? They've all gone and they've made a decision to stay in their own lusts and walk after the flesh. And then they go and, and how we say, meten la pata, you know? And, and then they mess it up for all the generations after them. So I'm there and I'm thinking, I'm like, Dad, how is it possible that for so long we've lived at, uh, in, in this curse? You know, after generation after generation, when God has his hand right here and he's saying, look at all the blessings that I want to give you. And, and I see my, my family, and they're all looking for something, and they're all like, uh, you know, they're feeling alone, they're feeling deprived, they're feeling hopeless. When God is just there and he's saying, look, just give yourself to me, and I will give you all of this. And, and I will bless you, and I will prosper you, and I will guide your ways, and I will be right there, right there with you. So then I said, you know, God, how is it possible that for so long my family's lived under this curse Lived, uh, lived in this in the same lie, believing that. And I said, you know, right now, if I don't do this, you know, who knows when this will stop? So I had to make a decision, you know, right now, God, is when I'm going to break those chains. And I'm going to stop this curse that's been, that's been, you know, on my family and, 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 and affected us in such a great way. Because I have, I have seven brothers and sisters, seven. So we're a family of eight, but you know, the, the, the parental parts are all over the place, you know? So, so I, I see so much potential in my little siblings, and I see what they could do for God. If only my family would have done things the right way, Absolutely. then we would have been an unstoppable force. Right. And we wouldn't have to live under those curses that we've brought ourselves into. So, so, so I've had to make that decision and, and, and live by those standards that God has set from the beginning Say, look, if you live by this, your whole life will be blessed. Everything you touch will prosper. And that's Woo! the truth that I'm living today. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Why, why do we shout hallelujah? Why? Not because we're crazy religious people. People got close to heaven. They were like, they heard some word. They heard the angels go, hallelujah. Woo! Shout hallelujah to God. It's, it's the highest praise. 
Last verse. Psalm 37, verse 4. Last verse, I promise. You love God, you're going to love His Word. Delight yourself in the Lord. Make Him delicious. Get into the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Don't let the, the, don't let the devil be spicing, dicing, and rolling your stuff. Say, God, let me run from the devil with those who call upon God with a pure heart. Father, I give you thanks this morning. If you want to surrender to God, and today's a great day to do it. And I'll trust in God this morning with you. I won't trust you. You might raise your hand. Your heart might say yes today and no tomorrow. But God says yes today. It'll be yes tomorrow. So if you want to surrender and say, God, I need open heart surgery. Raise one hand to the heavens or your right hand. And say these words, Father God, I give you permission to do what you promised. To give me a new heart. A heart that's tender to you. A heart that listens to your heartbeat. A heart that feels the rhythms of your pulse. That I might walk in your ways. All the days of my life. And surely... Your goodness and your mercy will be with me. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Take my evil heart and all its passions and desires. All its lust and selfishness. And I receive your heart. A new heart. Create within me. A steadfast spirit that loves you and the things you love and serves you and only you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. As we sing this song, you guys greet each other.